Happy to Disagree podcast, where a dad and his three sons almost never agree on sports, politics, pop culture, and everything in between. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. Thanks. Hello. Cool. Um, I guess we got everyone here. So, um, cool. Well, we have a very special guest uh, today. Um, Whiskey Dylan is, is how he's known. Um, but he's, so he's dad's cousin, right? So that's our second cousin. Am yeah. I right on that? Yeah, I think that's right. Okay, cool. And he is from Marion, Ohio. Is that where you live? Well, that's where I was born. I live that's in Delaware, Ohio. Live and work in Delaware, Ohio. Live and work in Delaware, Ohio. Cool. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna ask him a bunch of questions. Um, why everyone calls him Whiskey Dylan? Kind of what he does, uh, and you know why what he's passionate about. So that's gonna be good. Um, and then we'll we'll end with just some some random stuff. But we did kind of want to focus on that, um, and I think we're gonna learn a ton. So I'm pretty excited. What about you guys? I am. I'm hyped. <laughs> I'm pretty excited. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Dad, Dad, are you excited too? We're pretty excited. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I like <Awesome>. whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Cool. What a uh, coincidence. I do too. <laughs> so I guess uh before we before we jump in, anyone have any like cool updates? Anything that happened like over the weekend that was cool or it's been two weeks since we had our last pod, so we can kinda just do some cool updates and then we'll kinda jump right into whiskey Dylan. Hey, who's like moving around a lot? Oh, it's me. <laughs> okay. Cool. <laughs> All right. Cool. So, anyone got any cool updates? Um, this weekend wasn't. I didn't really have anything too exciting going on. We just went through. We had rush, and then I worked, and that's pretty much all I did all weekend. <laughs> did, did Arkansas play at home? No, they played at Ole Miss, and we lost like I don't know three to ten or something like that. Three to ten. Were all the were all the fans asleep in the stands? 23 to 10, I guess. Is that right, yeah, Caleb? it was like 23 to 10. 23 to 10. <laughs> That's better, I guess. I just stopped watching when it was 3 to 10 for a while. <laughs> cool, Caleb, <laughs> you did anything fun or the same as Noah? No, it was the same. We had rush all weekend, sorry. Yeah. We had we rush all fun? weekend, so. How did the, uh, how's the new pledge class looking? We don't know. We, have, don't... we have that last night of prep night is uh, Friday, and then that next Saturday morning's bid day, so. I don't know. We're down to like two around two hundred probably for prep night. And you're gonna get what to down to sixty? Probably around sixty to eighty. Yeah, something where something in that range. Yeah, but That's we're so like frat, dude. Stop. It's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be really hard to get people because we're tearing down the house and stuff. And so a big reason why people choose a certain fraternity is for the house. For sure. And so like it's gonna be really hard to get people, but we'll see. And we're like. We're in a lot of debt right now because people have been dropping and stuff. Yeah. So. Feel that. We'll but we need the guys, yeah. For uh, sure. Cool. Dad, anything, any news? I know someone cool came in your restaurant the other day. Yeah, it was actually Sunday night, I believe. And I look, I'm standing in the bar. And I look to the far corner and I see a very sexy uh, sitting there eating a burger and having a beer in my restaurant. Beto O'Rourke. Nice. No <laughs> way. Yeah. What? He was there? <laughs> yes. 
Yep. He was on his way back to El Paso. I think it was Sunday night. Yeah, it was last night. Was no he way. was he uh on his phone tweeting at Trump or No, he really wasn't. <laughs> he had you know, he had looked like a campaign manager and a business person there and they it was three top and then a couple of people went over and then he invited them to sit down and would talk to each other for two to three minutes and it was just uh you know, it, it, he didn't get bothered too much, which I was happy about. It's really you know, you try to keep him away and you know, let him be normal for a little bit and enjoy the meal. So that went fairly well, but it was cool to see him, man. I yeah, think that he's a good, awesome. I don't know if he has much of a shot, but I think he's a good dude. For sure. Cool. Or the other. The real question is, did he tip well, though? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think he was over 20%. <laughs> over 20%? That's good. Yeah. I mean, Got to get out there and get those votes, right? For sure. Yeah. <laughs> one one server at a time. <laughs> I had a I had a Republican guy running local come in and tip like two dollars on a forty dollar meal. I was like, Well, I certainly won't be voting for you anymore. Oh <laughs> man. Lost <Why is> my <laughs> vote. Can't afford the gas to get to the election place with two dollars. Yeah, he was he was local politics, so not a lot of, I've heard there's not a lot of big campaign money in that. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> cool. Um well awesome. Um I don't have a ton of updates, really. Uh, football's back, um, so that was cool. Yes, sir. Um, that was cool to see. The Texas LSU game did not disappoint. That was probably one of the game of the weekend. Yeah. Um, OU won big against South Dakota. Uh, I think, <laughs> I think five different receivers had touchdowns, so that's pretty cool. Oh, my word. <laughs> you could have got one. You could have yeah, suited up and got one yourself. Yeah, we threw in, like, Spencer Rattler, and I think he's the third string, so – Oh, my God. Um, yeah, towards the end of the game. And I think he threw a touchdown. So, that was pretty cool. Um, Jeez. Yeah, Jalen Hurts is pretty good. So, um, <laughs> and then the Cowboys won big. So, that was uh, that was awesome to see. Deck hey, Prescott about, lit it up. Oh, Kyler Murray. Kyler Maybe Murray. Yeah, he came back from an 18-point deficit to tie the game. And then they went into overtime. And no one could score. So, it ended in a tie. Which was kind exciting. You, though, I thought, no. What's that? Impressive debut, I thought, no? Yeah, for sure. I don't know if he brought him back or if the Lions just lost the game, but it was probably a little bit of both. Um, he looked a little frazzled in the first half, I think, but mm-hmm. it, it felt like he got his rhythm. Uh, his, his first sack, the first received sack. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> lineman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's going to stick that with him funny. for a while. Yeah, a bunch of people were like, a bunch of people were like, uh, a bunch of people were like, hot take is Kyler Murray actually too tall because his lineman couldn't like jump over him. Quarterback <laughs> 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 in the NFL now, yeah, right? Um, yeah, and then let's see what else. Uh, oh, Baker sucked it up through three interceptions in the fourth quarter. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Browns fan, so we can. We can gloss over that. <laughs> yeah. So, man, so much promise, and they just Long didn't season. deliver. So Long season. Long season. Cool. Well, uh, I guess we can uh, kind of jump right into it. Uh, Whiskey Dylan, this is going to be a lot of, like, Q&A. So um, I have some stuff that we were kind of wondering about um, kind of what you do and what you're passionate about, and then I'm sure we'll come up with a little bit more questions as, as we go along, too. Okay. Um, well, I will answer what I can and bullshit about what I can't. 
That's perfect. There we go. That's all, that's all we ask on this show. Yep. <laughs> um, cool. So I guess give us a little bit of background on like just you as a person. Um, yeah, like you said, you grew up in Marion, and then kind of your um, like kind of how you've gone through life, and then um, I guess you can end with kind of where you are now and why they call you Whiskey Dylan. Okay. Well. It's certainly not a boring story. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, like up until high school, I guess none of that matters very much. But in, in, in search of a profession, I went to college for a long time. And that went, you know, sometimes really well and sometimes fairly poorly. Uh, <laughs> the worst times outweighed the good ones and uh, ended up leaving. And uh, at first I was working in like factories and warehouses and stuff. And that was... Uh, just not at all what I wanted it to be doing. So I, uh, I started waiting tables at this restaurant, just moved towns just to try and figure things out. And I was about 20 at the time. And one of my regulars was the uh, GM at a whiskey bar. And she really liked me. She'd request me all the time at her table. So one of these days, like I told her I was about to turn 21, uh, like the next week. And she asked me if I wanted to come in and interview. And, uh, I said, yes. So a couple of days after my 21st birthday, I went in there and got one of my first, like, you know, 10 legal beverages ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she bought it a glass of Tullamore Dew, uh, Irish whiskey. And uh, I got hired the next day. And I was one of the assistant managers like six months later, which was interesting being six months and then kind of being in charge of selling like wine and bourbon to people. Uh, so I had to learn, I had to learn pretty quick. Um, but I, I like what I, what I found is I really, really liked learning about it and I, I was fairly good at learning about it. And for some reason, people were genuinely interested in coming and listening to me talk about it. So I, uh, <laughs> big plan was just to turn that as much into a career as I could. So uh, about two years later, I was still assistant managing the same place. And a, uh, another local business owner who just bought a restaurant approached me and kind of intimated that he was interested in starting a whiskey bar and uh, but didn't really have, you know, like even a bartender to speak of. So he asked me, I was in there actually getting a Euro. It was a Greek restaurant. I was just there to get a Euro. Uh, he, he talked to me about it like on a, I think that must've been a Tuesday. And uh, I started on Thursday. Um <laughs> And since then, I kind of built the Whiskey Dylan brand as we built up the, the bar and restaurant. Where uh, So basically now I manage you know, our, our inventory, which is about 1,000 bottles. That's not just whiskey. That's all sorts of things. But uh, whiskey wow. is predominantly what we have. So we went from four year, like three years ago, three and a half years ago when we started, we had like 20 bottles of liquor on the shelf on uh, two by fours hung from chains on the wall. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were lit up with Christmas lights and everything. It was it was an interesting setup. There was no bartender, so like my first day was on a Thursday. The next day was this huge festival, so I had to bartend the next day, and I had no idea where anything was. It was all there. I just didn't really know where it was. There wasn't really much <laughs> program, but you know, or anything like that. So uh, kind of built it from the ground up like that. And now, now we've got, you know, a couple bartenders. Uh, like I said, we, we upgraded from 20 bottles to like just over a thousand in wow. two Amazing. years, three years. And then, uh, well, we, we had to expand the bar to fit how many bottles we were getting. Like 
at first it, the bar was about a quarter of the restaurant and then just bottles were overflowing onto the bar. So we built it out a little farther. We replaced all the, the two by fours and chains with some pretty nice shelving and things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and eventually we like doubled or like, yeah, just over doubled the size of the bar. So I couldn't really just bartend by myself anymore. Cause that's what we were doing at that, at that point. So we brought on a couple more people that do a really good job and uh, kind of, hired people that already had good bartending experience but didn't really know very much about whiskey so i kind of had to develop a a teach you about whiskey type of thing so i started doing them on sundays when we uh didn't have a liquor license so bartenders weren't necessary and i called them church uh so (laughs) 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 that that was maybe a little sacrilegious but uh, like uh it worked. Uh, I ended up getting a bunch of people coming in. Uh, uh, after a while, people started actually even asking me if I would do it for other restaurants and stuff too. So now what I do is in addition to like running all our events, events at OPA and bartending throughout the week. And then also uh, just kind of like making sure the staff is where they need to be. I uh, kind of as a side gig uh, consult on other people's whiskey tastings. So like how to do it. Uh, what to talk about, how to host it, what you set it up like, you know, from down to like from what you should wear to like how you should how you should set it up basically on a tasting board or mat. Um, and I also teach classes about how to sell whiskey to other people. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's so, amazing. That's what so a career. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess like, I didn't even say the best part. So like what a, like one of the big things in what I do is there's a thing in like the bourbon world called store picks or barrel picks. And what those are is when a, a liquor store or restaurant or, you know, group of people or whatever, depending on what state you're in and what you're allowed to do, uh, buys a whole barrel of whiskey and has then uh, like a unique proprietary single barrel to sell. So a lot of what I do is we travel to those distilleries, meet with those distilleries, taste some of the barrels and then buy one of them. So that's, that's probably the coolest part of what I do. Oh my God. Wow. That's amazing. Unreal. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> so I have a question. Okay. What's the First question? of all, I, I follow you guys on Instagram, and that's kind of where the Whiskey Dylan uh, tag comes from. So, Dylan, we have anywhere from around 49 to over a million listeners um, each show that we do. <laughs> Somewhere between numbers. Somewhere between. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was wondering if you could give your Instagram contact and also the OPA bar and grill. Do you do those posts for the OPA or is that someone else? Those? Uh, you cut out a little bit there, but you wanted for my you wanted me to tell my Instagram. Handle yeah, tell right? your Instagram and also the OPA uh, okay. Instagram. Yeah. So I work at I work at OPA Grill and Tavern on Instagram. That's just at OPA Grill and Tavern. We post a lot of cool model pictures and stuff like that and specials and things we'll be doing at the bar. And then my personal Instagram is at whiskey Dylan, uh, Dylan spelled like Bob D Y L N. And, uh, I kind of just cat like kind of catalog our trips and like all the cool people we get to meet and like pictures of the distilleries and then bottles that we have at the bar as well, as well as doing like reviews and things on there. Very good. So how much would a cask or a barrel of whiskey cost? So, it's different. So like uh, whenever I tell people that we buy barrels of whiskey, everyone inevitably has this idea where we take my SUV down there. Grandma's old SUV actually, but 
<laughs> I, take, I take my SUV down there and load up a barrel of whiskey in the trunk and drive home with it. And that's not really how that works. Namely because that's a bomb. That would be, that would be considered a bomb. You could like that. You could do some damage to yourself and other people with that on accident. And not all whiskey people are the brightest. So they don't just give you the barrel. Unfortunately, what they do do is once we pick the barrel, uh, they they send it through the normal bottler and then send it to our liquor agency and then we go pick it up there. So like as far as price, like it's there's no like standard price for ah oh, you can come you can come here and buy this whole barrel of whiskey for this amount. Uh, what we end up paying is typically a cost of bottle at retail times yield of barrel. So a barrel barrel can be anywhere from sixty to three hundred bottles of whiskey, just depending on the environment. So it can cost anywhere between, you know, I mean, I guess the cheapest one you could possibly do would be 10 bucks, two grand, two grand for the whole weight of the barrel. And then the most expensive one you could do. I mean, God, it, it, this guy's the limit there. Like, like you said, 49 to about a million. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's it. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I have, I have another question. So when you're going to these distilleries, like, and you're tasting it, like, what are you looking for? that makes me that makes you say like oh i you know i want this barrel well and i think that can be really different so like one of the things that i'm doing next month is approach me about coming with them and kind of being on the tasting panel for it and making sure they end up with a product that you know they're going to really like once it's bottled and everything so in a scenario like that i'm just really i'm looking for what i like uh especially when i know these guys and i know them well and i know that we we share similar palettes you know, so it's just something that I would want to drink regularly. And, you know, typically, like for me, that's something that's got high rye mash bills, a little spicier, a little bigger. And then also, uh, you know, closer to 100 proof or above. Really, if it's if it's down below 90, not a big fan. 90, 94 and above is, is good. Uh, but when we do one for the bar, we do it pretty differently so um just depending on what whiskey we're getting it's it's kind of <laughs> tasting that whiskey thinking about uh how can i sell this product like what what's so picking a barrel that is better for selling than something i necessarily like like uh for example we have a knob creek rye barrel that we picked kind of to go in cocktails is it something like i would necessarily want to drink all the time like at home just neat or on the rocks probably not but does it make a mean ass whiskey sour absolutely so <laughs> nice. I, I tend to either look at you know is it something that i like in in a smaller setting like that or in something that like there are certain products that just stand alone that people will buy anyway so i don't have to worry about the sales aspect of it so like when we pick a blanton's barrel i'm thinking like okay, so all of these are going to be good and they're all going to sell, but which one do I like the most? So typically just being on a tasting panel like that means that you're going you're gonna to pick out what you like. Whether that's, you know, sweeter, spicier, higher proof, whatever. Gotcha. <laughs> cool. That's amazing. That's crazy. Awesome. Twins, did y'all have any questions that jumped out at you yet? Or... Not so much. Yeah, so Dylan, what's like your favorite whiskey? But I always people ask me that like all the time, and I have two yeah. answers. The one like, right, I always answer with a question first, and I say, "Am I buying or is somebody else?" <laughs> yeah, you're buying. <laughs> yeah. I guess somebody so, else. Then. That's probably the best. Yeah. So like let's like let's say some you know the company is buying or something, and I you know I can pick 
I can pick any whiskey in the world of the. Are we there? Did we lose him? Cool. So we're, we're back. Where we, left, where we left off, we were. I think we were talking about uh, Dylan's favorite whiskey, and the question he posed to us was, "Who's buying?" Meaning, is it yeah. coming out of his pocket, or is it coming out of the company's pocket, or whoever's? You know, the proverbial who. Yeah. Could be yeah. like rich girlfriend's dad, I suppose. Because <laughs> I hope that for each of my three sons. Yeah, that would be yeah. pretty wonderful. That'd be nice. Any rich girlfriends out there? Paging rich girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess. Uh, all right. So rich, rich girlfriend's dad is buying. What? What are you? Okay. Ordering? So <laughs> this is funny. Um. I went deep in on this before I realized my phone uh, crashed and we had to re-record. But uh, oh, <laughs> here we go again. So, so occasionally, let me know if you can still hear me. I guess. But uh, cool. <laughs> rich girlfriend's dad is buying. I'm buying uh, either OKI12 single barrel, which is a pretty cool product that was uh, out of a company called New Riff in Newport, Kentucky. Uh, it is now an extinct bourbon, though. Pretty much, like there is no more production and. If it still exists out there, it's it's in people's homes or in collections hidden somewhere. So like it's wow. not exactly the kind of thing you can just come across on a day to day basis. Like I know we've got one or two of them in storage at the bar, you know, just for for future, so we can do something cool. But it's it's not the kind of thing you're just gonna find it in. Oh yeah, yeah, it's my favorite. It's my like it's my all time favorite whiskey. It's absolutely incredible. And the biggest bummer about it is that it used to be pretty readily available. So I went from like drinking it all the time to it's gone. Wow. So that would be, that would so, be number one, probably. What does a glass of that cost at, at a bar? Well, like I said, if you could even find a place that had it, and I guarantee you there's places in Kentucky that have it. And I know I can think of a couple off the top of my head. Like I know we have some in storage, but I think you would probably, I mean, there's, so the value of the bottle is hard to tell because like I said, you can't just buy it at a store. So it's kind of what we call secondary market value. And they're probably worth uh, like roughly a thousand bucks or something like that. I don't know. It's been a very long time since I've seen one posted, but uh, there's, so for a glass, you're looking at probably you know, north of north of $40 a glass at this point, unless you, you're very good wow. friends with the person selling it. Dang. Oh my word! That's crazy. There's there's many whiskeys north of that. Oh yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a pretty huge that's a pretty huge grouping. Like I know we sell Pappy Van Winkle twenty three for sixty dollars a half ounce, which would be like a third of a glass or even a quarter of a glass, depending on which Whoa. bar you're at. <laughs> I know Whoa, we also we have crazy. a we have a fifty two year old Scotch that we sell for like three hundred a glass too. So. There's a big wide oh, world of super expensive whiskey out gosh. there. <laughs> so what makes it so tell me what makes it that expensive? Is it like the how long it's been sitting in a barrel maybe? Well, with with scotch, yeah. With bourbon yeah. not so much cuz with bourbon you're you're typically looking at like a maximum of 20 23 years in a barrel. Okay. So really in the realm of whiskey like that is a lot but the grand majority of American whiskey is aged from, you know, six to 12 years. So yeah. with bourbon, it's much more based on like how much of it is out there, how good it is kind of seen by the critical community. And then like basically just what will it, like people are willing to pay for it. 
you know, like wow. there's a lot of, there's a lot of like barter trading systems out there in the collecting world where it's just kind of like, this is what I think it's worth. Does anyone think it's worth that enough to pay for it? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like that's, that's kind of how a lot of these valuations get set is stuff like that, especially in the collectible world. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so that, yeah, yeah, go so ahead, that, no. sorry, sorry. So that $300 glass, would it be, is that price the same for like, if you'd find it at a different restaurant, it'd well, be I've actually, like near that price. I'm not sure there's a whole bunch of them in the state and I've never seen it at another restaurant, but roughly, okay. yeah, our margin, our margins are honestly kind of low comparatively because we're in a pretty small town you know it's not a huge metropolitan area yeah it's kind of like a you go north of the city to spend a weekend there type of place so if we were were, you know downtown in some major metropolitan area i could probably charge a whole lot more for it but wow yeah that's amazing so i guess for like our average listener that doesn't know a ton can you go into like kind of describe the difference between a scotch uh a bourbon and maybe like an Irish whiskey that may be like pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, but. absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, not even there's a bunch more rules than just the country that it's from. Right. So like as far as like major types, like there's, you know, there's Scotch, bourbon, Irish. Those are the three big ones. But then you've also got Canadian, big sleeper there, tons of sales. Uh, you've got <laughs> rye, which is a, typically another indigenous American style of whiskey that's not quite as popular as bourbon. Um, and then you've got. I mean, now there are French single malts, Japanese single malts are coming up in the world, but uh, just as far as the difference between the big three. So all three are indigenous products to the nations in which they're made. So that like being classified as an indigenous product protects that product under international law from being made somewhere else. So you can't even, wow. if you distill in Canada, you cannot even write the word bourbon on your label. That's, wow. you can't oh my like, God. so that's, that's internationally that. protected. Same with scotch. Like you can't say this is a scotch whiskey if you made it anywhere else in the world other than Scotland. Uh, and same with wow. Irish. Like it, to be Irish, to that's also protected by the uh, uh, international that is law. Amazing. So that's the big three differences um, that they're just different countries. So bourbon is indigenous to the U.S. It was set down in the Bourbon Act of like 1964, what bourbon was. So it's a corn-based whiskey. must be at least 51% corn in the mash bill, which is the grains you make it out of. Beyond that, you can play around, but that's the minimum. Uh, then it must be aged in a new charred white oak barrel. Like one of my one of the favorite things I ever heard about it was because um, there's a lot of people think there's a minimum aging requirement there. There's not. Uh, Jimmy Russell once, uh, yeah, Jimmy Russell once said something along the lines of like, if you took a white oak bucket and charred the inside of it and stuck it under your still and then carried it over to your bottling line, if you, that's bourbon. Once you put that in the bottle, it's bourbon. All you need to do it again is another bucket. But you must have a white charred oak receptacle. Otherwise, it's not bourbon. And then there's a bunch of rules about the proof you can distill it to, and then the proof you can put it in the barrel up to, and then the the uh, minimum proof for bottling. But beyond that, that's the basics. Um, scotch must be made of only barley. It can only be malted barley. Uh, so your grain is set down in the rules, must be malted barley. Uh, it must be made in the nation of scotland and then there are further designations on how you make it from there based on what region you're in so if you've had one of the smoky scotches you know a lot of like that reason tends to be the scotch that most people are exposed to if you've had one of the smokies those are uh those are from isla or isla 
it's a an island off the north coast of Scotland where they make all those ones. Wow. Yeah. So I did a I I went to Scotland about two years ago in May, and I did a little whiskey tour. And so basically, there's five different regions, and they all have their distinct way they make it and the way that it tastes. Is that kind of? Yeah, pretty much. There's actually there's six, but the sixth one only has like three active distilleries, and those are probably going to shut down soon anyway. Yeah. Gotcha. Five yeah, ones man. that mean it. Five ones that matter. So, Dylan, have you made your way to Scotland yet and checked out some of those distilleries? Are you planning on doing that? I have not. And I don't have any big plans to. Uh, I'm going to spend yeah. some of December in like Barcelona and Prague. Uh, oh wow! So Europe, Europe's not off the table. Just uh, Scotland's not high on my list. Most of my yeah. focus is bourbon. Um, okay. Like even in in the world of like people who of whiskey people and social media and stuff, that distinction mm-hmm. is like readily apparent from my handle because if I was a Scotch reviewer and like wrote mostly about Scotch, the whiskey would be without an e in my yep. name and uh, yeah, in my name I have an e in there because fun fact, the whiskey like whiskey can be spelled without an e or with an e. The way you figure out whether you're going to spell it with an e or not is what country you make it in. If the country has an E in its name, whiskey has an E in, in its name. If the country does not have an E in its name, whiskey does not have an E in its name. Gotcha. Wow. With the exception of <laughs> Maker's amazing. Mark, because they're difficult. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's so much that goes into it that I had no idea. Like, This is just all new information to me. That's amazing. Uh, it can, you can go so deep with this stuff. Like, I honestly, I tell yeah. people these beginner classes I teach on how to sell it. They're like two hours. And I'm like, that's really just like to get you familiar with some of the words. Yeah. 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 Like it's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's a whole wide world. It's huge. You can, there's, there are programs that like teach you and then give you, you know, like you can become a bourbon steward, which is occasionally the same. Like it's, it's basically the same as being like a Somalia in wine, but uh, those aren't super big or well-known yet. So, there's not a whole so, lot of reason uh, to do it. So how did you start learning about it? Do you do just research on the internet or did you talk to people? Uh, I kind of like, where did you go about learning about it? I started with mostly the internet and books. Um, mm-hmm. Just when I was first getting out, I had a lot of good literature around me about it. And then further, there's a, there's a plethora of good ways to learn about it on the internet. Mm-hmm. like people basically people like me who do it basically full-time where they just write about whiskey information basically non-stop yeah um there's all these good resources though like breaking bourbon is like an online blog that has <laughs> incredible information that i i tell people to use it all the time uh and then like reading jim murray's the whiskey bible and all that kind of stuff also helps a oh, lot okay but um yeah so like i started mostly that way and then once I started to develop like connections in the industry is where I could really start asking questions from the experts themselves and ask. Yes, you know, exactly. And then just keep how, like breaking thresholds, learning more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like how this, mm-hmm. why this, what this, why. Uh, yeah. But I, once I got to the point where I was like meeting people like that, I could ask that stuff. You know, like mm-hmm. I got to have lunch with Eddie Russell, who's, you know, the master distiller Wild Turkey's son of Jimmy Russell and – that was wow. over like that was over an educational little seminar with him and then like we did a barrel pick with him afterwards so basically 
for two and a half hours, I just got free reign to grill him for whiskey information and did so. <laughs> did wow. so. <laughs> but that was <laughs> that like that took a while to get to that point. Yeah, yeah. That's a dream come true though. That's crazy. Oh yeah, that was awesome. I described myself as like one of those seventeen year old girls at uh the Beatles shows <laughs> right when they're walking yeah. in. Exactly. <laughs> That's perfect. That's hilarious. So uh, oh man. What so what's your I guess what's your work schedule like? Are you mo- are you working mostly days or are you working mostly like nights and on the weekends and then like um I mean, how's your free time? Like are you just basically tasting whiskey in your free time or like how does all that work? <laughs> There's there's really uh, not a whole much bunch of this uh, aforementioned free time, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so on a on a week to week basis, like I'm at the bar at night, so I typically I don't work before two or three p.m. usually, uh, outside of extenuating circumstances. But uh, I do like it's it's basically it's a similar work schedule to like what anyone would do. I typically put in between. 35 and 50 hours a week and uh you know i work five like six days a week but uh on the sixth like it's not always the same shift like sundays i'll i just go in and put together an order sheet for everything we need for to get through the next week and that's it you know and then Mm. weekends friday and saturday night i'm at the bar for sure all the time um but then like that we do that you know uh so typically like and it, this, this is a really common reaction i get from people where they're like that sounds like the best job ever well because i you know i was like oh earlier this week we were in kentucky we went to old forester for example and then we stopped at haymarket which is like a legendary whiskey bar down there and i was like yeah it was, it was a super good time and everyone's like oh you have the best job in the world and i'm like well we left at two o'clock in the morning <laughs> uh <laughs> got down there like did all the meetings had breakfast you know like got the tour did the barrel pick went and stopped by like two liquor stores where we've got friends and then two whiskey bars where we've got friends and then drove straight back like wow it there my schedule for traveling and stuff like that it's typically done in the same 24 to 48 hours just because we've got to be back at the bar like working And so how far are you from Kentucky? Like the closest, what's the closest distillery to you that you've been to? I guess? Uh, closest one in Kentucky to me that I've been to would be New Riff, which they did the OKI thing, which I talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are just over the river from Cincinnati and I'm in, I'm in Columbus basically. So, okay. um, so that's Columbus is basically the middle of the state. Cincinnati's as far South as you can go without heading Kentucky. And that's a two hour drive. If you, okay don't hit terrible traffic uh getting to like some of the farther away stuff can be as much as four or five but rarely like we did jack daniels to have 2 a.m oh yeah we did jack daniels (laughs) uh like three weeks ago and that Mm -hmm. we left it we left it 2 a.m it's a seven hour drive uh did all the meetings went to lunch it was just like eating lunch like lunch in at grandma's house in arkansas it was wild <laughs> bunch of little old ladies that jack daniels has this really cool uh it used to be a breakfast basically where they'll they'll send you in there like beforehand to go eat and there's a host and ours was like this little old black woman who 
you know, deep Southern accent, just sweet yeah. as fu- like sweet as can be. It was, it was something <laughs> else, but she's like, she's like, Oh, bless your hearts. Come in. You know, Here, where's your invitation? You like hand the invitation. She's like, well, I'll yeah. be eating with you. So basically the hostess <laughs> at the restaurant, like sits down and eats with you. And it's a little wow. woman from around Lynchburg. And they like tell you the story what? of the, the history of the town and like the history of the, the place you're eating at, which, you know, oh used to be, uh, used to be like a, a boarding house. And then they have uh, they have you eat this like home cooked southern meal there, uh, oh my word. <laughs> which was pretty cool. But that we did that at like noon. Did the barrel pick right after that. Drove back. Stopped by a couple places in Louisville where we know the owners, and then uh, continued on back. So we left at two a.m. and we were back by eleven thirty. Oh my gosh! So that was not as fun like not as fun as it sounds when i yeah, when i time yeah. it all out like that <laughs> wow yeah, oh, we gosh. did it all in a 1999 toyota avalon <laughs> oh, with so no cruise many, control how many uh how many guys do you take with you or how many guys it depends. Do you all go it depends yeah so take with us on those whirlwind ones uh just because nobody really wants to do that but we, mm-hmm. what we do is like some of our better customers and stuff and people who like there's a bunch of really cool clubs in central Ohio that are just about like collecting and hanging out and talking about it and stuff. And they, they support yep. us a lot. So we'll typically, if we can take six of them along with us so that we've got eight, like if the, if the company will let us and then if, uh, if we can get everyone on board, cause it's usually like a Tuesday. So not yep. everyone's going to be able to do it. But yeah, if we can, we take like six. Wow. And we've done as many as, I think, ten, uh, and as few as just the two of us. But it, yeah. it can be all over the place. That is awesome. I would love to be one but of But typically those we have them. <laughs> we have them. Well, typically we have them meet us there anyway. So oh, okay. not out of the picture. Yeah, because yeah. Mo- like, most of them want to make a day of it where they'll go like to liquor stores all over the place and check out a couple other places. Yeah. Get a, yeah, you know, an Airbnb sense. that night and then drive home. Whereas we like, as soon as we're done with that barrel picker, like back on the road. Wow, man, that is cool though. It's cool that you uh, get to take some people to experience it with you and stuff. Yeah, and they always it's always fun. Like we went to Buffalo Trace and we went and got our second Blanton's barrel, and I think we had we had six six guys along with us that time. No, seven. We had seven. Mm-hmm. And so it's like me and my buddy, uh, Brendan were the youngest ones. He's 23 and I was 24 at the time. Uh, and then the oldest guy we took was like in his early sixties. So it was just kind of a big wide group of people from all different walks of life and stuff. And none of us really knew each other. We're just all in the same Facebook club. So like, as soon as we exchanged names, everyone's like, Oh yeah, I know who you are. You're the one who said that dumbass thing about bookers the other day or whatever. <laughs> and uh, That's funny. so like the, the walls really came down quickly there and it was a ton of fun, but we, so we went down the night before stayed in an Airbnb all together. So we got like an eight person Airbnb and all slept in it. And just everybody brought bottles and set them on the, the kitchen oh table at the Airbnb. Gosh. And we just tried everything. So needless <laughs> to say, at like 2.30 in the morning when everyone's like pretty drunk. And we had to be up at, uh, <laughs> we had to be up at like 7 in the morning to go to the go over to the barrel pick. 
Uh, I wasn't sure we were all going to make it, but we pulled it off. Although, uh, walking next to the still where you can like just smell the alcohol in the air, I think I saw a couple of guys get a little green. Uh, (laughs) I can can definitely see that. (laughs) Cool. That's amazing. So, I guess, um, what are kind of your long-term career goals? I mean, do you see yourself maybe opening a whiskey-type restaurant or – do you even see yourself like I don't know if they have little like micro breweries where you can kind of start small and like maybe build mm-hmm. into like something like a distillery? How does like have you thought about any of that stuff? Well, I think this is something me and Daniel have talked about a bunch. Is I would like rather I have I have fingers I would rather lose than own a restaurant, especially <laughs> after years in the restaurant industry. <laughs> like I'm not even just singular fingers. Like I would I would I would probably give up plurals. Um, <laughs> like, like after years in the restaurant industry, that is just a headache. I'm not trying to get into. It takes a very special kind of person to own a own an establishment. Uh, really, like my end game is turning like really what I do on the side, not just so much bartending or like restaurant stuff, as like talking about teaching about whiskey stuff like that. And then also, uh, I've been getting really deep into the production side of things lately. So my end game would be work more in sales production than uh, like point of sale, like restaurant stuff. But uh, frankly, at this point, like my, my, my go-to answer to that is I want 60,000 a year health insurance and dental beyond that. I am not a greedy man. So if I can work, <laughs> if I can work with whiskey and get, yeah, if I can work with whiskey and get that, then I'll sweep the goddamn floors. It doesn't matter. <laughs> That's awesome. Amazing. Cool. Um, I uh, so I guess where do you see the future of whiskey? I know it can be like a vague question. Um, that well, honestly, because like yeah. how like we call this we call this kind of the golden age of of bourbon. Uh, right now, we're looking at some of the highest sales and production of American whiskey ever, uh, yeah. it, both domestically and abroad, where it's getting real traction as not just like a craft spirit that people enjoy all the world, but also as kind of as a high risk, high end commodity to trade in like these, Mm -hmm. these one of a kind, you know, collectible pieces are become like Sotheby's is about to auction off the biggest, uh, most expensive whiskey collection in the world this weekend. Um, Or maybe next weekend, like four million. It's it's a, it's a big one and they've done big stuff in the past. So this one's (laughs) going to be, this is going to be huge. A lot of it's like 60 year old scotch and stuff, but there are some, some Americans in there too. You know, and this is is really a fairly recent development, development, uh, in 2014, we, uh, we saw like, a it was a 900% increase in the sales of ultra premium American whiskey. So, Stuff wow. that you know, you're nicer American whiskeys. So just that year, we saw a 900 percent increase, and it's only been growing since then. Like, so it, what it's, is? It, sorry, sorry. I just wondered, like, what, uh, like, attributes to that? Like, what does that attribute to? Well, that is delicious. It's delicious for one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but 900 percent, 900 percent. Like something had to have started that wave, right? It kind of. It's there's a lot of things. Uh, yeah. So. American whiskey, like, throughout the 20th century, took a lot of hits. Mm-hmm. Um, Prohibition just being the first of many. 
Yes, um, of course. Like World War II had almost as big of an impact on American whiskey production as Prohibition did. You know, if you look wow. at what people what people were continuing to distill, con- continuing to sell, whether legally or illegally, mm-hmm. and like what what they were importing as well, as far as like consumption and production, World War II had just as big of an impact because um, of grain rations, grain and yeah. grain rations and copper rations actually. Um, so you couldn't really get whiskey throughout you know like not good american whiskey anyway through the 20s through the 50s uh then we we start to see brands come back around that were uh you know older brands that had never really gone away they just kind of fallen mm-hmm. under a little bit uh so then yeah. we see those start to build back up but just in time for in the 60s and 70s and then even 80s it got really really popular to drink clear spirits so yeah. Gin, vodka, tequila, rum mm. became the the spirits of choice for most of the American public. Yeah, just because it was it was what was in movies, it was what it was in entertainment, all kinds of shit. Yeah, so it wasn't until like ninety three, ninety four, ninety five that we started to see these products like Blantons and Booker's and Wild Turkey Rare Breed mm-hmm. start to come out on the market. So those immediately took off. They were immediately successful, but not like not to the degree they are today. Uh, but even into you know 2010, 2011, those were still out there and gaining popularity again, but uh, not huge. And then just all of a sudden, we see kind of this like mystification of American whiskey. You know, like moonshiners came out just before that. We had this fascination yeah. with with the old school American outlaw distilling and distributing. Um, and just all at once people uh, bought up all that stock that was out there and then things became very hard to find. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, liquor store and buy Pabby Van Winkle for 250 bucks a bottle. You can't really do that anymore. Uh, but now, yeah. so it's become almost like a, like a point of pride, like a hobby, a very popular hobby to go out and find these whiskeys for the best price you can get. Um, yeah so it's just like collectors collector's items kind of thing not just that like it's, blanton's is very hard to find uh it's not mm-hmm. a collector's item by any means and there's not a shortage of it or anything like that it is just hard to find because so many damn people want it yeah like, you'll have people lining like out, out west it's not as bad but east coast midwest and then throughout the south you got people lining up in the morning to get blanton's like or wow. paying a ridiculous amount like it it's supposed <laughs> to retail for 54.95 and i have seen people pay 110 115 150 dollars oh. for it oh. well also it's kind of a rookie move but uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it kind of like the so the answer to that is like why did it happen is it was kind of a victim of its own popularity yeah. like it got popular and then it got hard to find like good bourbon got hard to find after it got popular. So it made it fun to find it. And yeah. then oh, at the sudden, at the same time, like we've got whiskey bars opening up all over the place as kind of the cocktail scene goes more towards prohibition tile style speakeasies. So yeah, it was kind of just the perfect storm all at once. Wow. And, but as far as the future of it, like the level of, like the level of production and everything that's going on right now just can't last forever. That's just not how it works. So we'll see where it goes, but I don't think it'll ever fall back down to like where it was before. I think we're, it's here to stay. It just can't be 
huge, like a behemoth industry forever. So. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so I got a question um, going. Yeah, go for it, Gil. Um, so like if like Noah and I are about to be twenty one. Um and so we're kind of on a budget because we're in college. So what whiskey, like if we were to go buy it, what would you suggest? Like on a budget, what's the best one? Well, first of all, I would I would applaud you because <laughs> thank you well and this is this is the thing i fight against all the time it's like i feel like there's this this idea of the the, the whiskey drinkers this old white guy with like a beard talking about geo like what the grand old party is going to be doing in the next like, year you know like that's not it at all like it's whiskey whiskey is good and you don't have mm-hmm. to be 65 with a you know <laughs> entering your third midlife crisis to drink it like mm-hmm. so i applaud you uh like that's a big part of what i try to do is get young people and women into it like if you if you're going to be drinking like drink good stuff so that's one thing i love to do and that being said there are there are brands out there that are like designed for the beginning younger less uh flush whiskey drinker so like off the top of my head like i said wild turkey 101 is what i drink i also don't have a whole bunch of uh movable income so you can get a handle. You can get a handle for forty bucks though, and it's a blend of seven, eight, and nine-year-old bourbons from one of the best distilleries in the country. It is very, very good Ooh. stuff. Uh, so Wild Turkey products in general, highly recommend. Uh, the eighty-one's not quite enough for me, but it might be a better starting spot. So might try that. Uh, I don't know what the whiskey scene is like out by you guys, but if you can get mm-hmm. things like Henry McKenna. If you can get Eagle Rare, if you can get that stuff, if you ever see our Weller Special Reserve, I almost guarantee that. Uh, those are all bottles that cost less than $40 a bottle. Um, and okay. they're delicious. Or at least they should. If some, if they're charging you more than $40 a bottle, don't buy it because they're ripping you off. But mm-hmm. um, That's a great tip. Yeah, I know. But all these, you know, most, this is the great thing about bourbon is most good American whiskey does not cost that much money. Mm-hmm. Um at retail especially so if you're going to be paying for something it's basically based on demand uh there are tons of products out there that cost less than 30 bucks a do- uh, 30 bucks a bottle they're absolutely incredible you know ancient ancient like age is a, a favorite of ancient ancient age is a favorite of mine it costs 16 dollars a bottle uh if you can get very old barton the bottle and bond especially which i think might be a kentucky only but i don't think so uh that's a very good one that costs like 18 dollars a bottle uh, like one of my favorite whiskeys of all time was the Heaven Hill six year old bottled and bond. That was a thirteen dollar bottle of whiskey. Uh, wow, wow. Old Old hmm. Fitzgerald Gold Label is a great one. There's a bunch of really good whiskeys out there for less than thirty bucks. Weller Special Reserve being only one of them, probably the most mm-hmm. famous of them, but only one of them. Wow. Hey Dylan, how should they like be beginning? Like how should they enjoy it? Not not to be snooty, but I mean like the the part of enjoying whiskey is kind of the flavor mm-hmm. of it, and you mask it if you just pour diet coke in. Yeah, that's, that's so the one thing I can't like. Kind of some of the like make make a drink out of it. That's fine. Honestly, I know a bunch of people who put diet coke and whiskey and stuff. Just don't don't do it all the time. Like yeah, it's it's easy, but uh, like I I really. So one of my favorite things and one thing I like subscribe to totally as kind of a mantra is Booker No once said, drink it any damn way you please. Mm-hmm. And I 100% agree with that. Like, but <laughs> only to a de- only to a degree, like, 
like mixing Coke with it and stuff, like sure, a, like a Jack and Coke or whatever. Great bar drink. Mm-hmm. Easy to drink, easy to make. Don't have to think about it too much. But like if if whiskey itself is a little too much for you, either neat or on the rocks, which rocks is ice, neat is not. Uh, if it's too much for you like that, try it in a cocktail. Like uh, try it in an old fashioned. Try it in a mm-hmm. Manhattan. Try it in a sour. All those are relatively easy to get set up and make at home. Like for an old fashioned, you need simple syrup, oranges, and bitters. That's yeah. you got $15 invested in that. Easy, easy startup. Um, and then another thing I really recommend is like if whiskey into, go and find where the whiskey people around you hang out. Like I've found that in these, there, there are everywhere you go, there's a community of whiskey drinkers that are talking about it. Uh, learning about it drinking it hanging out like it's they're they're everywhere and they're a really great resource and many of them will probably have cool things that you wouldn't be able to find or collect and if you become friends with them they'll let you try those things to kind of expand your palate find out what you like what you don't like why you do why you don't stuff like that that's a great that's amazing i didn't even think about that i think if there's a if there's a whiskey bar nearby go hang out there that's fine. That would be my my tip. Heck for yeah. sure. I think I'm gonna be starting. Sure. Yeah, I'm gonna start drinking a lot more whiskey now. <laughs> After this podcast, sure. really fascinating. Now. Yeah, it's yeah. This has, been, this has been awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's just gonna change the whole experience <laughs> so cool. of whiskey drinking for me. It's great. Cool. Well, uh, that's yeah, that's so- the thing I try to tell people all the time. Is it doesn't just have to be a drink. Yeah, it can be a hobby and an experience too. It's amazing. It's so interesting. Super cool. And also, I'd also like to say at Whiskey Dylan, one of my favorite posts on Instagram was kind of a five bottle journey um, that you took that kind of helped form your love of whiskey. Can you kind of just go over that journey real quick? Oh, yeah. Dylan? And you know, so right now, this is something that doesn't really matter that much, but it's uh, National Bourbon Heritage Month. And um, I mean, every there's a month for everything now, but mm. National Bourbon Heritage Month is this month. So on my Instagram, I've just been posting stuff about my whiskey experience, I guess, you know, in the past and currently and stuff like that. I haven't been doing it any day, every day by any means, but that was one I, I wanted to do because there uh, those were all fairly obscure bottles, you know, not things that you would like, like you're not going to see them in a New York Times article anytime soon. Like mm-hmm. every time, every time one of the, the like Forbes, New York Times puts out a whiskey article or anything, they're going to tell you about Blanton's, Henry McKenna, Pappy Van Winkle, stuff like that. Those were all whiskeys that in some way or another had kind of changed the way I looked at whiskey. So one of them, just off the top of my head, there was Russell's 10, which is a wild turkey product. Um, from their Russell's Reserve line, which is a, it's a 10-year-old single-barrel bourbon. Uh, it was, you know, the the first whiskey that I was uh, – because I, I, like, everyone has a bad experience with wild turkey from college is how I put it. <laughs> so it, it's, got a, it's got a pretty bad stigma. Um, the Russell's Reserve was kind of what broke me of that, for example. Like just, oh, wow, they do make really good whiskey here. Um, another one I had in there was the uh, – jefferson's presidential voyage no jefferson's presidential 16 year twin barrel um which is like jefferson's is really popular at some of their lower end stuff uh but the higher end stuff they make typically just doesn't take off 
like other ultra premium bottles do. Um, so that one for me was a really cool because when they don't take off like that, you can typically find them and they're not near as expensive as other things. So when I was first getting started, that was a bottle that like is really cool, is really well done, is really well made, absolutely delicious, is one of the higher end, more rare bottles. And uh, I got to try it just, you know, fairly cheaply and fairly easily. Um, so that was a really cool one for me too. But yeah, those were all just whiskeys from my past that had, you know, had some sort of impact on me, whether that was positive or negative. Um, yeah. So that was a cool thing I did. And I like my my bourbon heritage month. I've been going back to things that I haven't revisited in a really long time. Cause I, I like taste and review about, I go for a thousand whiskeys every year and I write them all down so I can keep track of it. But yeah, I, I taste and review about a thousand whiskeys every year. So a lot of the time there are products I, I tried a year or two years ago and barely remember it so i just went back i've been trying to go back all month and revisit stuff that i haven't in a long time that's great wow it's amazing so we have an avid listener and he's actually a follower of yours on yeah, instagram and come pretty active you know, with my instagram good guy yeah mr Ash johnson he's a cool dude so this man um, wants a sponsorship from Elijah Craig. He loves Elijah Craig. <laughs> Reasonable. So, are you? <laughs> yeah, no. I, I w- honestly, I wear a lot of Elijah Craig clothes in general. I have like Christmas socks, Elijah Craig. I've got <laughs> t-shirts, polos, all kinds of stuff. So, tell him if he gets that. I've only seen. I've only seen him in an Elijah Craig song. Well, that's that's <laughs> all. Yeah. That I hadn't heard that they had those, but I'm gonna have to go find that like, right now. You know, it kind of fits it fits in the J part of it. That's oh yeah, that's how it's designed. That's important. <laughs> I'm picturing like a Calvin Klein waistband too, but <laughs> Elijah Craig written there. <laughs> but, but with a little perfect, where the belly's flopped over. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Well, cool. Um, that puts us about an hour and five minutes. So that was a that was a great episode, guys. Um, mm-hmm. Unless unless you guys have any last closing thoughts. Um, my closing thought is, man, I really enjoyed it. It's kind of cool to uh, um, get together, even though this kind of mm-hmm. a family thing. And I wish we were spend some more time together. But uh, I appreciate the time that Dylan had. I would also say that we would be remiss if we didn't kind of get all of our heads together and hands in the pot. And some of y'all go make some money and then sponsor Dylan and myself on, on instigating a ranking whiskey. Exactly. That yeah. We could sell. Mm. All right. A ranking whiskey. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Ranking whiskey. Get wealthy first, boys. Then hit me up. <laughs> I, did just, I, I bought a still for rainwater purposes today. I just, I just, uh, did quotations there but uh I'll, I'll, I'll practice i'll practice and we'll we'll try we'll start our own whiskey daniel cool. there we go that sounds, sounds good, good. i'll be part right. of it well uh yeah that was that was one of our better episodes so i really appreciate mm-hmm. you being on dylan and uh and hey good, thanks good for having me your, guys uh, yeah with your future endeavors and hopefully we can make it up to ohio up to your restaurant and uh and uh yeah that, that's on that's that'd be pretty great yeah. yeah cool absolutely. appreciate it guys thank cool. you so much it was amazing awesome hey thank you all right, all right yeah. boys Take it easy. Yeah, peace and love. You too. Peace and love. Peace out.